they want to scrutinize the victims of poverty, the victims of police brutality for not snitching. Oh, that's the big problem. It's those people that's in those communities or in the prison who refuse to snitch and tell on each other and this and that. But the truth of the matter is, they getting it from our so-called leaders. The blue wall, where the, where the, where the cops at to stop their colleagues from shooting down people. Where they at? Welcome to KiteLine, a weekly radio program from WFHB that focuses on issues in the prison system and beyond. Behind the prison walls, a message is called a kite. Whispered words, a note passed hand to hand, a request submitted to the guards for medical care. Illicit or not, sending a kite means trusting that other people will bear it farther along until it reaches its destination. Here on KiteLine, we hope to share these words across the prison walls. Before starting with this week's theme, we wanted to share some prison-related news and announcements. A riot occurred on December 11th at the Webb County Jail in Laredo, Texas, which has left two prisoners in the hospital with minor injuries. Prison guards were conducting searches in cells to look for contraband. Allegedly, as they went inside the cell, two guards were assaulted with a closed fist to the face. A statement by the sheriff's office says prisoners started a fire using an electronic device. During this riot, camera equipment, a window, beds and tables were destroyed. Damages are expected to be around $29,000. Officers who were assaulted were cleared of their injuries by the medical unit at the Webb County Sheriff's Office. Two inmates were taken to the hospital to be treated for minor injuries. 25 prisoners have been placed in a secured area as a result of the riot. According to Prison Legal News, the New York City Council has passed an ordinance making all domestic phone calls free for inmates in the New York City jail system. The ordinance stops telecom companies from profiting from providing phone services to prisoners at exorbitant rates. Both phone calls that prisoners make and receive are now free. The law is scheduled to take effect in April. Prisoners' rights advocates have fought for years against the inflated prices of prison and jail phone calls. A percentage of the funds generated from prisoner calls is normally returned to the corrections agency that contracts with the telecom corporation. New York City had such an arrangement with its jail phone service provider, Sacros Technologies, and received $5 million in annual kickbacks, resulting in inflated phone rates. With the new ordinance, the city will not receive or retain any revenue from providing phone services. The Tennessee Supreme Court has ruled that Centoya Brown, who shot to death a Nashville man who solicited her for sex when she was 16, must serve at least 51 years in prison before becoming eligible for release. Brown claimed self-defense when the man became threatening. The court stated that defendants like Brown, who are convicted of first-degree murder, committed after July 1, 1995, and sentenced to life, can't become eligible for release before serving more than 50 years in prison. According to the court, under state law, a life sentence consists of 60 years, which can be reduced by up to 15%, or 9 years, if the prisoner earns various sentence credits. The case of Brown, who was tried as an adult, is pending before the U.S. Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. At a clemency hearing in May, the Tennessee Board of Parole was divided, with two of the six members voting for clemency, two denying it, and two recommending parole after 25 years. This week, we speak more with Leon Benson, who calls us from inside the Pendleton Correctional Facility here in Indiana. Benson's shared his story with us on the past several episodes of KiteLine, and now he talks to us about the conditions inside the prison. 
Benson reiterates the importance of prisoners being able to form bonds with folks on the outside, and how it helps with their mental health, their transition to the outside when released, and also protects them from violence and abuse by prison staff. He tells us about how guards are less likely to inflict violence on prisoners who regularly receive mail and communications from the outside. He also talks to us about the high turnover rates for correctional officers, the rampant drug use that's affecting prisoners, and the benefits of education while on the inside. Leon's Decades Inside gives him the insight that helps him walk us through some of the changes he's seen in the conditions within prisons. He starts out with an example of a prisoner being abused by guards at Pendleton Correctional Facility. Here he is. The situation that happened, like I said, it was the prisoner, he was sitting in G-Cell House, and the guard was against the cell yelling at him, and I guess he spit on the prisoner, and the prisoner spit back, and it was like spit that got, it didn't get actually on him, it, it went like on his uniform, and he rallied up the troops, and they went into the cell, man, they beat this dude, broke his jaw, knocked him unconscious, he had to get reconstructive surgery. Yeah, it was terrible. And the thing about it, it was a hidden camera that was back there in G. And they seen the incident. And so the three guards that was involved, Reed, Franklin, Graham, they were fired. And it was immediately walked off when the footage came. So it was a snowball effect because what had happened was it was a lot of staffers, a lot of staffers who sat up and covered up the situation. The medical staff that covered it up, that made it seem like it was a lesser incident than what it really was, falsification, logs in the books of the shifts, all this stuff came out. So because of that, because they knew that it happened by proxy, it was no way that guards can sit and beat a prisoner like that without other guards knowing. You know, the same way with the blue wall. You know, everybody sit up and they want to scrutinize the victims of poverty, the victims of police brutality for not snitching. Oh, that's the big problem. It's those people that's in those communities or in the prison who refuse to snitch and tell on each other and this and that. But the truth of the matter is, they getting it from our so-called leaders. The blue wall, where the, where the, where the cops said to stop their colleagues from shooting down people. Where they at? Where they at? The people who supposed to uphold justice at the top. Where, where the judges at when these guys go before the court? Where they at? Where the jurors at? Why they keep letting these people go free? And you tell, and you tell me it's justice out there. So this thing happened the same way in here too. It's a code of silence with the COs. They know what's going on, you know, but few of them tell. Now, I don't know how true it is. I don't got no, I don't got nowhere to, to verify it yet, but I did hear it was a whistleblower in here, but I don't, I don't know for sure. But when I find out, I'll let you know amongst the COs, which is a good thing because we are the same people. The COs supposed to be trying to rehabilitate, help to rehabilitate people in here. So that's a good thing. So this big this big situation that happened where you got the guards all through the facility, 
right now it was said that the snowball effect that it was up to 15 other guards and staffers who were fired as a result of this incident. What I'm, what I'm thinking, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good shot. It's a good look for the administration. It's a good look for the administration that they finally trying to reform some of this behavior here on the inside. Because the truth of the matter, for people who got loved ones locked up, and I'm going to be truthful, I seen it when I was on a shoot for a decade. I had heard the screams of people being beat. I didn't heard the death scream. Well, I know this guy dying. <laughs> and just like I thought, he was dead the next morning. So what's eerie about this, because prisoners are so demoralized, dehumanized, and don't have a voice that these things can happen and nothing to be done about it. These things that happen in total obscurity, a voice screaming out that'll never be heard, pains never seen, situations never known, and never would be empathized with, with society because of the wall. Prisoners' lives matter too. And the thing that's really revealing about this to you guys out there, to all the listeners, is 90% of people that's incarcerated will be released again. So a simple, a simple truth is hurt people hurt. The whole thing about prison is not revenge. It should be about rehabilitation. I mean, I'm one to abolish how prisons are ran, but we know in all societies that law is needed, justice is needed. And in cases, prisons are needed. However, the way they are functioning right now are conducive to the betterment of society. So if you got guards in here beating prisoners down, administrations, hurting prisoners, hurting prisoners, hurting them, alienating them. These are the people who are going to come back to society. And we already know the axiom, hurt people hurt. It's the truth. So you got two things right there. Your loved one can be in here dying, being killed, being beat and not have a voice and can die and they have died many of prisoners have died without nobody really knowing what happened and the second thing they creating is monsters they creating people who will get out with post traumatic stress syndrome people who will be more likely to commit crimes people who would be more likely to turn to drugs to medicate people who would be more likely to commit suicide. So this is a real problem. It's a win because we finally see some justice on the inside, but please, 
please, people out there, connect up with people who are incarcerated. A kind word goes a long way. My grandmother told me a smile travels a thousand miles and a frown ain't getting started. A JPEG, a letter, real communication, not text communication, real communication, asking about real problems and real issues, what helps to do this. The reason why guards jumped on that guy back there because the guys in solitary are isolated. They don't get visits. Don't nobody come see them. So when nobody don't come see a prisoner, when nobody is writing a prisoner, when a prisoner don't have nobody to call, guards think they can do anything to them. So reach out to people on the inside. Reach out to relatives on the inside. Try to keep and develop healthy and meaningful relationships with people on the inside because these people will be out. 95% of them will get back out to society and come back to, to the community. Let's try to help these individuals be more habilitated by the time they come home. And the work will continue once they're liberated. Now, obviously, obviously, I'd be a hypocrite if I paint the total picture, just total gloom and doom. Those are some of the pitfalls of people being brutalized, beat up, people dying in prison, people sitting on lockup units, wasting away. Uh, since I've been here, I can say this. When I first got here in 2011, I came on the heels of 75 COs and staff members at Pendleton being fired. And this ushered in a new culture, which the three guards were a, a part of that new culture. They had only been here. The three guards who, who were fired here recently for jumping on a prisoner in G, they had been here for like five years prior. So they was like uh, the new uh, brigade, so to speak. The culture here, it changed. It was, it was more harsh when I first came. When I first came, got here at this camp, it was more harsh than it is now. The reason why things declined on the harshness with the staff in populational settings. In G cell house, it is the solitary units are always more harsher than the populations. But here in population, it became less harsh over time because people was quitting. It was like, man, I mean, why should I work in a prison? I can go somewhere else and make the same money, you know? And and you know, people just was quitting. It's a lot of people quitting it. And I, and I say the reason for that, a lot of people quitting, a lot of people being rehired. It's a steady revolving door of people being fired or quitting and people being hired. So it made it less harsher, but it made it more confusing and chaotic at times. 
for the people that's incarcerated. As far as the programming, COs don't have nothing to do with the programming that, that goes on here. It's mostly the administration, the higher-ups. I can say that uh, it is programming here. It's not enough programming here. Most of the programming go to programs like the PLUS program, which is a therapeutic program that takes on the likes of like 50 to 60 people who receive a pay of like $50 a month and they do sporadic jobs around the prison, jobs that normally go to other prisoners, but they're concentrated with this group of prisoners. They separate these prisoners to another dorm, which they are essentially a backup working group. They are auxiliary group of workers. So the administration no longer in fear of people striking or anything like that because they got that group of workers back there who are ready to go anytime because that's how the program ran for a year and that's what they're supposed to do to go out and uh, do a lot of uh, volunteer work around the prison. So you got that going on. They take up the boat of the programming of, of things like that and it's not enough programming going around. But if you're able to get into a program in here, there's a lot of programs available. You have Changing Lives Through Literature, which is a great program that allow prisoners to read with each other, to grow and learn with each other about what they read. Uh, books from The Evolution of a Revolutionary by Fina Shakur, Ratchet of the Earth, books like um, uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Victor Franco, to religious books, to what we got going on now is uh, Changing Lives Through Poetry, where we use poetry to as a therapeutic effect, as alternative to criminal thinking, to allow people that's incarcerated to articulate themselves better, to provide a platform for them to express themselves in a way that's unthreatening, uh, that they won't be criticized. But we do critique each other and interpret what the other prisoner is saying. It's, it's a beautiful program. You got other programs like the Toastmasters, which is a good program, but if a prisoner is uh, poor or don't have nobody supporting them, don't have nobody supporting them there, they can't get involved because it costs $90 a year to be involved in it, to, to benefit from these leadership programs, uh, public speaking. And you have, uh, there's no college no more. You have to get personal grants. If somebody can pay for your college through Grace College, you can take it. But a lot of prisoners are poor, so it ain't too many people taking college courses. We do have a uh, uh, inside out prisoner exchange program with IUPUI that's on, that's running. Uh, we just, uh, we in the middle of a mass incarceration class where we, we studying about every facet of mass incarceration from the inception of prisoning to all the policies behind it to the, the social dynamics that produce it. Things like 
moral panics that are produced by the media, uh, things like super predators and uh, these different labeling that make the society panic and go with policies that are tough on crime that lock people up. It's a great program. It, 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 it's introspective too, as well as uh, analyzing society. So it's a great program. Uh, you have uh, a program here that's new. Uh, it's called True Self, which the prisoners implemented implemented this program themselves where when a prisoner first come to prison, come to prison and start there, give you a, a packet of all the programs that's available, the cultural and religious groups you can go to, uh, if you need a DVD, how to get started in that process. If you need uh, mental help, how to get started in that process. And to keep this process going all the way through your incarceration. So we just started that. I say we because I was in on uh, developing it with several other prisoners. And it looked like it's going well. It's an outreach program, community involvement that touches all the different programming. But the biggest thing is the PLUS program takes a bulk of those places and don't allow a lot of prisoners to, to participate. But all prisoners can participate in religious programming, things like that. Outside of that, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty bland. There's a lot of guys in the cell house who don't go nowhere, who's locked in. 23 hours a day. It's a lot of guys who get into it with the police just because they're idle. They don't have nothing to do. It ain't access to cell house. The access to the JPEG kiosk machine is limited to once a week, but you get to use it in a recreational building a lot. It's not that much. It ain't too many incidents of uh, fights with prisoners. It happens, but it's not something that's really big. But I'll tell you what's really big and what's sad is spice. Spice. It's a drug called Spice. Spice K2. They call it Katie. They call it Toonchi. Toon. And it's like paper crack. Guys is around here dead because they got nothing to do, they idle, they walking zombies, and you just see their fingers all blacking up, everything, and, it, and, 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 and it's messing up their mind, it's messing up their thinking, because they got nothing else to do. You know, this is a level four prison, and you got guys that wanna take their GED, they can't take it because they letting people who got shorter times get in front of them mainly a lot of the plus people. And a lot of people that don't have a, a strong discipline about themselves to self-educate, they self-medicate. And that's what's been going on. It, it's bad. It's, I mean, it was a heroin epidemic in prison, too. But this, this spike K, K, K2 thing, it's the worst. It's the worst. And that, that was the justification for the male thing. That was the justification for the male thing that happened back in April 17, 2017. 
the uh, uh, IDOC said that people were spraying this chemical on paper, so certain things wasn't permitted in the mail. Uh, printed matter off the internet, uh, colored pencils, markers, anything scribbles, excessive scribbles on a paper. If it ain't on notebook line paper, it's not getting in. And that was one of the reasons that they tried to justify, but obviously it ain't working. It seems like there's more people high off that than I ever seen in my life, you know? And it's sad, man, but I seen that go up. That's what went up. And I said, and I said, it's just what I see. It's a real thing. We talk about change. You know, I ain't for the administration. I'm for the people. I ain't with that BS. We going around here killing each other. I'm not with it. I get on the podium and the platforms that I do and I tell people in here what it is. Uh, that's not what's up. And that's something that's been happening. So you got guys in here dying from that, uh, losing themselves in that. And it's terrible, it's an epidemic. And from what I hear, it's an epidemic. And it's, it's crazy, people, they be pranking out. I see a lot more of that, people pranking out, hallucinating, uh, they doing a lot of damage to themselves. So we'll get a signal 3000, which means a medical signal, at least once a day because of Katie, or what they call a tune, a spice. And it's sad, and that's what I see. I think if the programming was better, if uh, more people can interact and, and communicate with their people better, it, it'd be less of that going on. It's just people in here that feel hopeless. You know, I mean, you got those programmers I mentioned to you, but the truth of the matter is because of, of other programming, it's not available to everybody. Uh, uh, once you get a write-up, you can't participate in a lot of programs, you know, petty write-ups. You can have a curtain up that'll, that'll put you out of the game of participating in school and other productive programs for a year. So you got a lot of that going on. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is, it's, it's definitely a, it's, it's a bad situation, but... You know, my main message is for people out there who listening, people who really care, people who empathize with other human beings to out, to give them an outlet, a therapy outlet of communication, of a heart, of creativity, of acceptance, of unity, being a part of it, like, but what tight line is doing for me is allowing me to be a part of the solution. We're talking about these issues, and that helped me out. And I want to let y'all know I appreciate that. And the brothers in, in Pendleton that I know that's doing good things, they appreciate that. And we're going to continue to do positive things, the best things we can do on the inside. And I'm going to continue to help these brothers in here especially the ones who really, really are receptive to receiving that help. 
and I help the other ones when they come around or do the best best things I can for them to educate them and to be a shoulder sometimes, you know? This has been KiteLine. Anyone can reach us via our P.O. Box, KiteLine Radio, P.O. Box 2422, Bloomington, Indiana, 47402. We also encourage your feedback. You can email us at KiteLine at WFHB.org. Are you or someone you care about affected by the prison system? You can call us to tell your story or to record a message to a loved one behind bars at 812-269-2512. You can support our efforts and the prisoners we connect with through our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash KiteLine Radio. You can follow us on all social media platforms by searching for KiteLine Radio or find us on iTunes. KiteLine is intended as a means of communication between people across prison walls. WFHB, its contributors, or any affiliates airing this program are not responsible for the opinions shared on the show. Please join us every Friday at 5.30 p.m. for more stories, news, and insights about the impact of prison on our community. Thank you for listening.